I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland. And that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I also give you bonus content through 10 Fro's Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of Tim Fro is reading for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. My glow up, my glow up, my glow up continues. I'm at 176 almost 176 downloads as of today. How dope is that? I'm getting closer and closer to that 200K, thousands of downloads, hopefully per episode. I can almost feel it in my bones, you know, as I contact Black-owned businesses to possibly come on the show for partnership opportunities, as well as looking for a podcast advertising agency that really gets someone to believe in what I do to be able to actually truly monetize um, this podcast. I have, I do this little thing or I belong to um, the ads uh, marketplace by Podbeam. I'm hopeful to get other uh, people ooh, like Fuego de Chao, um, like Podbeam themselves, like visit Las Vegas, visit Las Vegas. How does that sound again? Let me see this. As queen of the carpool, cruise control is the only control you've had for a long time. Instead of kicking back, your back is constantly being kicked. With the endless traffic, walnut-sized bladders, and snack mom politics, nobody is more eager to know the answer to the constant. Well, I'm excited about this. Sounds like it's time for your I victory. I wonder. In Las Vegas. I'm going to do a little bit of experiment and download these particular sections in my podcast to see if they'll actually, if it'll trip the plays, because I think that is, I'm going to have to do some experiment. I'll do some experiments on my own because there has to be a way to splice them in because I have access to all of them. Why wouldn't I be able to actually, I think there is some like type of audio tags where every time my podcast is played, I should be able to hear it. And I'm wondering if I should take this, basically do this and insert these commercials in at certain like mid roll, um, et cetera, because it looks like, let's see, this uh, Visit Las Vegas has been approved for both pre-roll and I got Emory Healthcare and for, ooh, and Pandora is for also pre-roll. Oh, this is going to be dope. And I'm willing, I'm trying to work with, I think it's supposed to be automatically um, inserted into my podcast, but unfortunately I'm not hearing them. And I'm wondering if I were to download these and to insert them mid-roll and at certain points myself, if I manually insert them, would I still be get the credit for them playing? This podcast, this week's podcast is going to be an experiment on that. And I'll let you guys know how it goes, because I think it'll be dope going forward. I don't mind being here. Where am I? I am off the reservoir, the Chickamauga, that was originally managed by Tennessee Valley Authority. It was established back in the 30s. But one of the things, it's kind of problematic. There, it was the last campground of the Cherokee before they were forced out by, I believe it was Andrew Jackson. 
it's problematic because I'm wondering if former sites were excavated or were they just covered over or hidden. This RV spot is perfect for my 24-inch camper. I'm seeing speedboats bouncing effortlessly across the water and watching this dude cutting his engine before he approaches the dock. I enjoy the listening to the lap of the waves against the shore. All I can think about is getting my joints so they're more mobile and flexible, not so much pain. I remember not so long ago hiking the Parmoria Forest in Oregon, dreaming of returning to the East Coast, to my life, trying to establish some type of routine out there, but that didn't happen. I believe I was never meant to live a tiny life on the left coast. I came home like my fur was on fire. Glad I had at least tried before getting out. I only regret limiting myself to that travel trailer, but I knew I was only there temporarily. Hard to establish connection when you never felt that you were never meant to belong. And it was just a placeholder on your way to somewhere else. Different career, different existence. I wish I could have splurged on a fifth wheel for the, at least the room. It would have made my temporary time there not so desperate. Or use Class A RV bus. Living in limited quarters is just not the move. This is as close to nature while keeping things that sting and bite away. I can meditate on the sparkling of the clear Tennessee sky on the water as I create another outline of my media company. All these things seem possible here. Celebrating us every day, all day. So what's going on with Black excellence? We got Missy Elliott making history as the first female hip hop artist to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She actually is a two-time honorary doctorate recipient. And actually, I'm from Virginia, the part of Virginia that she is actually from. And I don't know if it's in Portsmouth or Norfolk, but she actually has Missy Elliott Boulevard. I think uh, Timberland came out to help honor her. Her, Timberland, and Pharrell, all of us are from the same era. Like, I actually knew them, but I didn't. Because I think Tim and uh, Missy went to IC Norcom. And Pharrell went to the Green Runner Kemp film, but that's neither here nor there. One of the last Tuskegee Airmen, he gets his uh, honorary doctorate degree. This is um, Brigadier General Enoch Woody Woodhouse Jr. He enlisted in 1944, and because of racism, he had to endure so many things as a Black officer. He says, Blacks were told, and it was publicized, that they lacked the intelligence. We were thought to be skilled for and were utilized only in support positions. That means truck drivers, laundry people, oil fillers for airplanes. Even though we were trained in basic training, when we got into the Army, we were all relegated to service functions. Then World War II changed things. They were desperate for pilots, and then they called up the Tuskegee guys, the guys from Tuskegee, and the rest is history. And then, of course, because Tenfro was already drinking something, I like my drinks, the McBride sisters of the largest Black-owned wine company in the country, Black Girl Magic Wine, they announced a fund to support women interested in the wine industry. No, this is not for you boozers like myself that like to drink wine. These are for people, potential sommeliers, or people that are interested in uh, developing their own wineries. This is the kind of stuff that they're supporting. And how dope is that? Oh, and I wanted to also talk about um, Chris Dale Spain. She becomes, she makes history as the first black woman elected to lead South Carolina's Democratic Party. Um, only black woman can basically be down in the deep south at this time. Keep up, like Stacey Abrams of it all. 
put up with the microaggressions and passive aggressiveness and all the rest of the BS and get to still get the word out and still get the job done. All of these instances of black excellence make me, encourages me and doesn't make me want to run for the hills or run for my bed, pull the covers up over me and Ethel's head and just wait it all out or just buy a one-way ticket to Ghana and forget the United States for a decade. Can't do that. There's a lot of work here to be done and a lot living for me to be as a United States citizen and I can't keep running, you know? Butterfly in the sky I can go twice as high Take a look It's in a book A reading tin for I can So I have spent a very restful weekend out at Harrison Bay, Tennessee. It's only about 30 minutes from here, and it had the feel of a resort, but I was in my RV. I had my friends and family thinking that I and my dog were chilling at the dock of the bay on the sea, but it wasn't. Fresh water, Tennessee River, the reservoir, and it was just so dope. And I'm going to be doing it again probably for the next couple of weekends, except for the weekend after next where I plan on going up to North Georgia and checking out a couple of wineries that I want to feature on Tempro is drinking, re-recording, writing out a new intro, and hopefully I'll get it mixed uh, in time for this long version episode, but also just making some changes in general. I'm still reading Nene Leaks, and it's taken me a minute to basically get through all of what she says. But what she does say is pretty much dope. I can't, you know, you can't deny it. I call them the Nene Leaks of them, you know, of her years of being in a um, very abusive relationship uh, where her ex-boyfriend, her first son's uh, father, biological father, had all the warning signs. He was big and brutish, but he was also uh, kind of homicidal. And when he showed her the gun and then he ended up later pulling it on her and sexually assaulting her, you know, but she ended up staying with him for six years before she ran away. And she, from her experience, she started the Twisted Heart Foundation to help other women like her abused women get away from their abusers. And she also is just very forthcoming in when she got uh, hemmed up because she knew she had a taste for expensive clothes, but she didn't have the scratch to get them. So she writes, now, you know, I always want to post for Cam and she and her co-stars on uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta will take a selfie in a minute. But she just didn't want to post for those cameras. And then she would relate everything that she did prior to her landing Real Housewives of Atlanta and then Glee and then um, her run on Broadway and then her continuous run um, as a comedian. She did what she had to do was for survival. She knew she wanted her children and herself to have a certain lifestyle. So she was willing to do what she had to do to make sure that that happened. She wanted him to go to that fancy private school in Georgia and Atlanta because she didn't want him to become poor, uneducated and stuck. She wanted him to survive and do so with excellence. 
And that's what I basically love about her story. And it's a basically um, anecdote after anecdote of um, survival. And we could all take notes from it. Also, I have read the New York Times, Sunday New York Times for the n- a number of years. And I have not been impressed. Since the pandemic hit, they really stopped doing the travel section. And then the style section has been relegated to just a very few unopulent weddings. Because if most people that started reading the New York Sunday Times and the style section, it's because they used to call it the single woman's sports pages on Sex in the City. But it's not so much like that anymore. It's been downsized to showcasing influencer and romance uh, paragraphs. But I was not only able to find who I'm going to uh, highlight in my next session of Donkeys Donking, but also uh, Salvage This World by Michael Ferris Smith. I don't know if he has already gotten the rights to option this to make either a limited series or a full-fledged motion picture. But this is a world where, I don't know, is it because of global warming or whatever, but the deep south is ravaged. It's basically in a continuous cycle of hurricanes. And anybody that has the money and the connections to get the hell out have, but there are a few people like Wade and Jesse that don't have the means or even the drive to get the heck out. And they're basically ravaged by these storms and by nature. Um, He basically tells a great story. Um, I'm going to read it for my own satisfaction and see if I can get a nice, uh, the beginnings of a screenplay from it. Loosely based on his prose, they said, all in all, this is by John Brandon. All in all, Savage This World is a bruising, bracing read by a hell of a writer. If you consider life too short for uninspired sentences or non-distript locales, this book is for you. And life is too short. I want to basically, I don't want to read survival or tragedy prose, but I do want to read a really good reader, a good book. So it won't be so much like what another writer described about Queen Charlotte in um, Shonda Rhimes' uh, new Netflix special as title as that. I hope you guys feel what also have as strong as emotion. I'm not saying have the same as me, but what kind of book has inspired you to have a good comeback? And what has inspired you um, to get renew your library book or what books would you think that I need to read? Either drop your comments wherever you listen to this podcast or send me a short message at tenfrowasreading at gmail.com. If the comment's not too trolly, I'll actually read it on air. So this is old good old Lizzie Holmes of Theranos fame. I don't know if y'all guys have read about this or heard about this or saw the special on Netflix, but this chick had one of the greatest schemes that touched so many people at the tunes of hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars, and possibly cost the lives of the most vulnerable patients because she was the face of a machine or of technology called Theranos, which at the heyday of the startups blew a lot of smoke up people's ass promised a whole bunch and delivered nothing but a con and people got fleeced out of their money. She wants us to believe she was some idyllic, delusional 19-year-old, but this hoe is now 39 years old. And the only now that she's been out the clink for 20 years, she wants us to feel sorry for her, that she wants us to let her lead her life 
in relative comfort in Southern California with her life partner and her little blonde head kids. And then she gets away with what equates to fraud, medical fraud and and just fraud. No, you don't get a pass, girl. What are you talking about? I can't with this help. I'm tired of Karen's thinking just because I shouldn't be held accountable for stuff that I did when I was 20, when you were knew full well what you were getting into. You knew that shit didn't work. You knew you were boozling the people. You had somebody else strong arming the people that worked for you not to tell, but to keep up the lie. Yes, you have to pay for lying and doing what you did all those years ago, you don't get a pass because you got kids. That's dumb. That is so dumb. And then I did not read all of this article about this turncoat. What's this hoe? This hoe's name. Another Karen. Kristen Cinema, Last Stand. She broke up with the Democratic Party and now she's going over to the other side. I don't understand any one a Democrat going over to the Republican side. And I, I don't understand this step, step for wife, why this woman thinks she needed to go over once a powerful Democrat. What is her, the deal with her that she needed to go over to the other side? Is it because she's always been a racist, turncoat, bigoted, homophobe? that she thinks that the Republicans are going to allow her to be the fascist that's always been seeping through her veins, that she was once seen as an ally, and now she has gone over to her true colors? Okay. So that's why we I don't trust anybody that say they are aligned with truth and, and with people that look like me, because these are the people that don't Christian cinema. When your actions become when you when you your actions become synonymous with your name, that's when you know you've crossed the line. And she, that's why she's on the donkey list, because she's a liar and she's a fascist and she's a KKK princess. No doubts about that. I think some people would want to know why I put King Charles on the donkey list, too, because it just seems like he couldn't figure out that he did not need the press. And it he still would have gotten into his coronation without dissing his own kid and evicting him from a renovated Frogmore. I hope they got their money back. I'm talking about now King Charles III kicking out his own kid because he basically uh, spilled the tea, all the tea in his book, Spare, and then to Oprah. And now they have this big pomp and circumstance. They have to recognize the diversity uh, in his crown, but they lost their chance when they had his kid marry an African-American. Are you kidding me? And you wanted them to basically, there's like, I guess they had a formula and he and his old pinched up face wife, who was a side piece, if you listen to those tapes for Diana that they released online, y'all could not allow those kids to basically usher you in. Could you imagine if they could have figured out how to weave in and protect Harry and cousin Megan, how even greater this coronation could have even been and how meaningful it could have been in ushering in a new era of the royalty. But you have to, he has to do all of this and diss them behind and keep all this stuff hush hush, comes to light, makes them look like a jackass and end up on my donkey's list. But you give a, such a fake speech that I don't believe it. I come not to be served, but to serve, said Charles, moving gingerly in a velvet and gold lace robe, first worn by his grandfather, King George VI. Grant that I may be a blessing to all thy children of every faith and belief. At the invitation of the Archbishop of Canterbury, the most reverend Justin Wilby, who presided over the service, God save King Charles their voices echo in the Abbey's vaulted nave. All I could think of, he could not have figured out how to integrate William and 
Harry's mother, Prince Diana, because I can see her as being Queen of England and not that pinch-faced Camilla. I could have seen all of them. It would have made more sense to me instead of him doing what he think he had the right to do. He pitched her aside, wouldn't let her live, took away her kids, let the paparazzi chase them through that cave, and they crashed. It ended her life. And now he's in his 70s. He's a British fop, and nobody gives a shit. He didn't listen to anyone, couldn't figure out, just like he did the mother, couldn't figure out how they could have integrated Harry and Megan, cousin Megan, into the greatness that would have made this monarchy exist in the and for another thousand years. But no, their obtuseness, their staunch stubbornness to tradition and ceremony without any substance is what's going to lead to their probably their constitutional back downfall. Just like we had Brexit, just like they're getting ready to have what is the need of a monarch except for bleeding the people? We don't necessarily need them anymore. We go melt down all those carriages, send all of the uh, royal homes into the trust, and we don't need any of y'all. That's going to probably be the not this next upcoming 10 years. We're going to see some, I almost can predict it. We're going to see some the downfall of the market, the dismantling of the market, because these fools couldn't figure out what to do with Diana. They couldn't figure out what to do with Harry and this new generation of royals. It's going to lead to their demise. They're going to be a whole bunch of royals without a monarchy, and they're going to be kicked out in the cold. He's going to be worse than Hirohito um, and his family over in Japan. There's not even going to be a ceremony for them. They're going to be erased from memory. And they're going to have, they literally don't have any power and prestige now. They are not going to be able to figure out what to do because they were too cowardly to buck tradition to basically, because they're royals. They could have made their own way. They didn't have to be the firm. They could have rewrote it and bend it and made it applicable to the life in the world we live in now. But no, they had tradition with their will and damn anybody else that would have went against them to the demise of their relationship with their own children, to the demise of their own relationship, and to they would evict a child from a palace that was gifted to them by the previous monarch. That's some BS. That's why I wasn't in it, wasn't into the coronation. I forgot that it was happening. And then I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'll probably just get the Cliff Notes version on YouTube. I'm not with it all. I, I, I have four hours that I basically watched and watched the sunset on um, Harrison Bay in Tennessee. I wasn't with all the pompous circumstance of the coronation, even for instance, from a historical standpoint, looking at the crown jewels, looking at the Union Jack. I just didn't care because now when the tea was spilled for the last couple of years about how hypocritical and bigoted and stupid the royal family is, and I suspected it, but when it was out in black and white and they just basically continued along this long line of player haterism and being unprotected, I have nothing but derision and side eye for them. And that's why I added a king, King Charles III, to a donkey list because it seems like they couldn't figure out how to, if you are a king, you are of a last living monarch and you couldn't figure out how to change and control your narrative to be relevant in this pluralistic world, you are just going to be a forever donkey. And you are stupider than those polo ponies you used to weld with such skill back in the day. I'm just saying. You know, I talked to my sister about this recently, and it just seems like all manner of evil has been come activated. This has been another bloody weekend filled with hate 
and destruction and loss and senseless loss of life. No, I'm not talking about the war in Ukraine, even though those atrocities continue to pile up. We got reports of drone attacks on the Kremlin, which is really in the interior of Russia, and just a bunch of things that just don't make a whole bunch of sense. And I can't even add gun makers to my who are the donkeys. It goes back to who has access and why is it so easy for um, neo-Nazis and obviously crazy people to have access to high power weapons. Outside of the military, and I'm going to be really in the cartels, if that is your job to basically protect, there's no need for AR-15s to be on the streets and in the hands of the general public. Because when you get into the hands of the general public, they don't know how to act. And so they go uh, and shoot up malls and make continue to make terrorists pop off on their neighbors. But then it's just not those. We got crazy folks in cars becoming activated for who knows what. Can't even stand out at the bus station to start your life. You know, I look at what happened down in um, Texas and it was like a double shot. I just realized that Allen, Texas, that's where the guy shot up the mall and he was part of the right wing, possibly a part of the right wing death squad. But we also had somebody also uh, Hispanic that drove his car and it's looking like intentional into and he could have been buzzed out on meth or crank or something like that and mowed down several migrants just waiting to be transported somewhere else. We got legislation that's about to end where we're getting ready to see another influx of migrants into the country when the, uh, when Article 41 expires. We got all these people that are taking it upon themselves to do the bidding for evil. They just willing to go to there's a to go to the dark side instead of just to go to the evil side. I'm not equating all darkness with evil. But what I am equating is people knowing what is right, not having the restraint to resist what is wrong. And then everybody else is being going to pay the price for their inadequacy or their trouble. And it's like we are like we're under attack by the enemy on full blast. And there's people willing to go over to that side and to do evil's bidding because they don't want to show restraint. There is uh, positivity that comes from being restrained. That's what it is because you can become, pop off, become infamous. That's how you get your glory. What is it gonna take now? What is it gonna take to expand mental health services? What is it gonna take the AR-15, I'm not saying that AR-15 and AK-47 shouldn't exist. I just don't think everybody needs one. Really, they don't. There is no need for them in the general population. We were safer when we had more structured and restrictive gun laws because this crap that happened over the weekend wasn't happening as much. There wasn't an every other day mass shooting where people just just get activated and go pop off for no reason. We live in a very dangerous time now. We got to do something. Restrictions have to come from somewhere. Someone has to have the balls to stand up to the lobbyists. Nobody's trading on your Second Amendment right to bear arms. What we're saying is you can have you can bear arm, but you just don't need an AR-15. I'm just saying you do not need an AR-15. I'm tired of hearing about it. But what can we do? We got to get these lawmakers. You have to want to make the difference and be the change and be the difference because we cannot have this happening. We never thought this would happen anywhere. If you live anywhere in America, it's fair game for somebody to pop off with the AR-15 because they're readily available everywhere. And, and the laws are not consistent, protecting each citizen in all 50 states and territories. It just really isn't. We got to become consistent. We got to do something and we got to stop the madness. <laughs>
I wanted to just insert this as a reminder that the bonus episodes will drop either Thursday or Friday. I talk about everything space from NASA, uh, great tech, what I'm eating and drinking, as well as everything from the Star Trek universe. Also, I have my favorite part, Ten Fro's Bar uh, Shop Talk, where I talk about uh, upcoming draft, uh, everything Dallas Cowboys, you name it, about sports and sports adjacent, I talk about. Don't forget to navigate to my premium channel, Ten Fro's Bar, before it goes behind the paywall. Become a patron on Patreon, subscribe, drop a sister a tip, and you too will have full access to all of the episodes as they become available. And thank you for joining or listening. The Shade Bunch, the Shade Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. Who gonna check me, boo? And what kind of fraggle neck of bean crap is this? Actually, it's fraggle neck of bull crap, I think. These are all charade-isms for Real Housewives of Atlanta. I should have known with all of the drama surrounding the end of last season between the breakup and demise of Drew and her husband, her gaslighting husband. And now Sheree is dating Martel from Love and Marriage Huntsville. Uh, he cheated on his wife throughout their marriage and they got a gabillion kids. Why does she keep picking these emotionally unavailable men with issues? But Martel's body is on point. Oh, crap. So is Sheree's. Wow. But anyway, he is a thirst trap. <laughs> and it's so funny to me. This is um, Kim, Monietta, and uh, Kenya Moore talking about Montel because he slid up in her DMs and they actually had it and she let a message from him like a friend request or to Kenya and he had deleted it. I knew he probably, once he thought about it, it was probably after he and Sheree became more serious and it was just ridiculous. He always posts these thirst traps online I don't follow him. I think I'm going to see if I can get uh, can start following Kenya Moore uh, because she actually is booed up with some really handsome guy that treats her well. I didn't know she was separated from Mark Daly since 2019. And what is going on with that divorce? Because if he's trying to extract a pound of flesh from her, Kenya ain't got it, or if she got it, he ain't getting it. And that's what she gets for not signing a prenup, because they're going to fight this. She's going to drag this out as long as her lawyers want her to. However, now there seems to be a little bit of stress in Candy's world, where she's still being pulled by her kids because she works so much. And now uh, Todd is tripping. And I kind of figured this. And I'm even though <laughs> Mama Joyce was wrong, for her meddling in Candy's finances, but it's just seeming, or maybe it's a production move, that they are highlighting his wanting to boss up and go out on his own. For example, they were, she had related to them about how he is really trying to make her a, the problem. And when it, he could have moved it like he accommodated other people. He just, it just seems like he expects her to rearrange her life to accommodate him always. I kind of can see it from his standpoint. Why, if he's done it so many times in the past, 
when he asked her to do something, why she couldn't just do it when he asked her to this time when he's been there for her so many times previously. However, he then goes back and moves to accommodate other people. But I don't think we got the whole story. I do vaguely recall instances where Candy started complaining about him spending so much time out of town because he couldn't cater to her. Um, And he changed. And now when they even when they are in Atlanta and he's catering to her, they're still not spending a whole bunch of time together. So I get it. I kind of can see it from both ends. And I know her friends are going to support her, but they also have to realize that she is a superstar. She's used to people being accommodating to her. She demanded it of him. And when the one time that he needed her to accommodate him, she wouldn't do it. It can seem one sided. And it's not selfish, but it's also the cost of why they got together in the first place. So he can't change up. She can't change up on a whim. And I can see why they're always going to have tension because of how unequally yoked and the power dynamic was in the beginning of their relationship. And it wouldn't that have necessarily have been that way if she had married up or she had been with somebody because she could have then had some people do those things for her and it wouldn't have been her husband and vice versa. You could also argue you can't always choose who you love and she loved him. They got married. So they're going to have to figure this shit out and be more accommodating and understanding about the needs and the wants of other people. Y'all, I really like Sonia Richardson uh, Ross. She is one of the, she's so cute. She is an amazing athlete. She still is. And Ross is fine, but her sister and her family's dynamic is wild. She basically is talking in Patois about turning up for Ross's 40th birthday party. I dig the Harlem night scene. And that's the first thing I saw when I saw like one of the best shot uh, trailers was them coming in their 1920s garb. Um, it did reminisce or remind me of Harlem Black, and it so encouraged me so much more that I actually am probably going to watch that today because that was a pretty dope. I like Della Reese and Fred Sanford, Red Fox, I mean, as well as one of the last uh, movies that Richard Pryor was in. And it was a little thick during that time, but it was, it was just so dope. Um, but they bring up a good point in this is the same struggle that it seems like her family is having and that's candy and within her marriage is having they basically she said previously that her she has all these people living in her house and it could come across as un- ingratitude because there was a point where they all profited off of the contracts Sonya had when she was running for example, and I think there it, it, we're going to get a little deeper because I think I suspect where the sister's coming from. When she was running uh, prestigious contracts um, and they would cater to her, both of her parents, uh, she paid them to manage her. The sister was uh, a hairstylist and she did was her stylist for a number of years. And now the husband who wanted to get into real estate is having issues because it's darn town in the market in Georgia or, or in the surrounding Atlanta environment. They say that she don't, she still doesn't have any boundaries. And I think, and she gave us this story called her a dingback. She is, does act sometimes kind of dingy, but now she comes back home from work at 11 o'clock and she's now saying, can you help? Can you now cause her up and cut her wig off? Or she's asking, she has this, they have a schedule for their kids, 630. And now 
um, she'll ask Tanya, will ask them, then well, now you want to go out and play. And she says she doesn't respect boundaries, you know, and but if she's paying you and you living in her house, she's paying you to be the assistant. Why wouldn't she ask? Do they think that the work that she does now um, by podcasting, um, even being on the show, because they say cutting a wig off after she gets home from work at 11 o'clock is like they are. She's downplaying her work now as a housewife or anything else that she does that it wasn't it, it wasn't equivalent to the same um, as her being uh, when she was running track. So, wow. It's like all of these people are having growing pains that they want these megastars who are still megastars. They're just doing a different type of work. It's just like the people that are surrounding them don't are discounting the importance of the work that they do. But that work is paying for you to possibly get your 15 minutes of of fame. You're you're in her house. (sighs) Wow. It's like all of these people have to realize or have to figure out how to balance it all. And then Brooklyn is just as cute as a button. And Mark Daly was so much against her being filmed. I remember a point in uh, the previous season where she, her face was blurred out. We saw her when she was a baby. She looks exactly like him. If she wasn't on film for a while. And I think Kenya has won that battle because she's featured prominently in this episode where they show her all of these princess dresses. And it's so cute. Um, and why wouldn't you use that as a, she is such a cute little kid and it's the same thing. If they do it right, she won't, it won't let her go to her head and they can flip it. And and that is how she can establish her own legacy also and not have the parents blow the money. Um, she can actually have her own same thing that Cynthia Bailey did making Noel the face of her, uh, purse brand cargo. It's dope. And now I think Noelle was an influencer living her best life in California. Girl, I want those uh, follows. I want to be an influencer, too. I'm just saying. So I'm glad Kenya won that battle. It's obvious because this is a cute little girl. And why wouldn't you have if your beauty products actually work and (laughs) you get produced, she should be the face of uh, products and bows and things that you can actually and she would be so she could be the model ingrown, get those fees and establish her own trust fund and wouldn't have to really be dependent on her own her family members. Because I think uh, Mark Daly's uh, restaurants are uh, closed up that she can basically be um, established without having to lean not only on her parents, but also and dependent on somebody else. She'll be independent by the time she's 12. Good gosh. What is the energy, Courtney? Why are all of these people coming for Candy? Is it because her name is Candy? Candy Coated could have a solid center that could break your teeth off. Or that she's so open with everything, but people want to pick with her because... In spite of her realness, she basically doesn't try to candy coat anything. She It's out there. It's meter because you're not going to get it for free because she ain't going to mess up her bag. But these people are looking for opportunities in any means necessary to come for her. That's why. And they know they know she doesn't want anything to burnish her brand because she does this really fine balancing act, but they will try her just to see if they can get a rise out of her that she will, and I think she will cut you or choke you out if she had to, and they want to risk it just to get a piece of what she already has, but they don't realize that they look crazy as hell. Like this Courtney girl coming at her from, because it sounds like this is a, um, Yovana kind of thing. How dare you not know me when we are in the same circles? Yeah, this is a marketing, this is a marketing PR ploy because she somehow she slighted you. I find it rich 
that this girl came out there. Someone called me while I was in Paris. Who cares if you were in Paris? I'm sure Candy's been there a gabillion times. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's what she basically, <laughs> I'm going to have to use that uh, again, with how she was talking about Latosha, an uh, ex-member of Escape. Nobody cares about any of this. What we do care about is how your gospel album did flop and you were trying to jack your own group. And now I'm sure you're going to try to crawl back after the damage that you did. This sounds like one of those instances. This sounds like this. This I think this girl's a marketing consultant. So she wants to get in on the candy vibe in a negative way. Marlo wants to stir up garbage and trash. And Sheree is just mad that she is not really clickbait, but she going to gaslight her just because for relevancy. And it's just such... It's just so sad. And, and But I guess this is why we tune in because of the mess. They are really getting back to the mess that made this a brand. But I hope it's just not as toxic and it's going to implode like it did on Potomac. Damn sure it's going to be more interesting than last year. And this messy boots mess with Ralph showing up without Drew. Girl, bye. I just can't with them. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.